Welcome back to an all new installment of the Super Mario Broadcast where Queen of New Orleans, Mother of the Coven, Sing Vita Marie, you've been called out again. I'm Super Mario Brother Matt. I'm Super Mario Brother Dan. What a week we've had in the metal community. A lot of things that we need to talk about, Danny. Oh, definitely another great week, another great amount of things to talk about. It's a, it's a thing, it's a drum which keeps on giving, and we're very, very thankful for it. Otherwise, you would just get feedback for like an hour straight. Yeah, and I'm thankful for the listener. The not listeners, I think. I think one person has clicked on there a few times, and for that, we give a medal salute to you for your listening entertainment. We're doing something a little bit different on this week's show, Danny. Yeah, a bit more adventurous, a bit more lighthearted, but also controversial because. Choosing someone's favorite band is always controversial. What the idea is this week, guys, is we've asked our metal community out there in the Super Metal Brothers Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash Super Metal Bro. Uh, Bros was taken. Yeah, I know. I'm angry about it too. And what you do, what we have asked our fans on there is to give us their favorite band. And us in return, I give to give you our honest opinion on it. Like, And if we know a lot about them, the favorite album from them, and the worst one, Danny. Wow, so we actually going to attack the only hope of having fans. Is that your idea? Well, unless we say everything's amazing, I can't see it going possibly wrong. But we are the super proud brothers and definitely the super honest brothers too. Well, that'd be true. With that, we're also going to talk about the latest Lockup album. We're just talking about demonization, the grindcore, thrash, I guess you could call it, band uh, from the States. But uh, do we like it? Do we not? We have to wait to the end of the show. But first, Danny, what do we got? The news. Speaking of it right now, Mike Portner, you'd know him from Dream Theater. If you don't know who Dream Theater is, well, I guess they don't know what metal is. Uh, one of the biggest progressive metal bands of our current generation, the ex-drummer has recruited Bumblefoot and Derek Sherinian for the next supergroup, apparently. Yeah, it seems like getting Shrini on board, he's trying to go back to the um, pre-Dream Theater stage. So, Well, not with early, early Dream Theater, because he was allowed to come back for the Images and Words tour. So and Derek Shreddy and play piano and images and words to it. Well, I think he's done one better. He's just trying to re- he's, he's gonna do like a Ridge Blackmore Rainbow and do Deep Purple songs. So he's actually gonna do a, <laughs> a Dream Theater cover album. Yeah, we're gonna play all Dream Theater songs, but we're gonna call it the Mike Portnoy show, <laughs> and people are gonna pay money to hear what the original drums sound like. Exactly. So I, I don't know what he's trying to do with this band. It's, he's oh, got a lot of bands brilliant. at the moment, a lot of different bands, different different styles. It's amazing. Like they, they asked him himself in the article, how do you play all these styles? I think yeah, how does it work? Uh, who knows? He's one of those guys who's uh, pretty talented. I guess uh, in between crying about not being in Dream Theater and playing different styles, I'm sure he's got time there to practice. I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, he was going from band to band. Like within, he he blinks and he was in a new band. So he's uh, definitely trying to get all those all his buckets fulfilled. Yeah, whether that's because he might be that guy or girl in the relationship who always has trouble finding partners. It's like, oh, maybe I'm just unlucky. No, maybe it's not Maybelline. Maybe just a shit person. Yeah, stop dying that goatee, man. You're not dying bag. <laughs> Uh, the Voice in Finland has a contestant performing. Oh, what's this? Another metal song on a pop show. This one's psychosocial. Gets them to the next round, though. I guess it's funny because they find it endearing, I guess, like a pet animal that pees on your rug. Sure, it's annoying, but you love them all the same, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. But you can't really... Actually, well, you can rub his nose in it because he's got through to the next stage. So, yeah, you can rub his nose in success if you want. Uh, did you actually end up uh, hearing this one, Danny? I sure did. And what it. was your opinion of it? Well, I thought he did a good job of it. I mean, his, his, his singing, the melodic part was acceptable. His screaming was acceptable. It wasn't like Corey Taylor great, but, you know, hey. Who was the band we did, the guy who did it last time had that amazing scream? The ne- Necrophagia song? Yeah, they, the Chaos Canada's um I think voice show. Yeah, yeah and he did. He just, but that was all just screaming. But that was a, it was a really good song because it had a lot of groovy parts. So 
Yeah. And I that in-house band would have must have loved doing it because oh. we heard that. So, But I didn't hear it because I was like, nah, it's metal. Is that a metal song? Oh, I don't know. Slipping up metal? Oh, I don't know these days either, you know? Oh, oh I'm already no. starting. We're not even up to the middle segment. Have you not picked that as your favorite band? I reckon we picked these guys as our favorite band, or one of last year, Danny. We're talking about Testament now with the release coming up as soon as 2018 for the next album. They just finished one of the albums of the year last year. Yeah. They got another one in them? Yeah, apparently Chuck Billy wants to release a new album every two years. Apparently it was four years to get Brotherhood of the Stink. So they want every two years. But that's going to be pretty hard for Eric Pearson because he's got Dragon Lord coming out this year as well. So that bloke there, he's not going to see the, that light of day for a long time. I... I would hope that Eric Peterson with Dragon Lord takes off so well that he does that every two years. Uh, a shame for us that we had to wait at least what must have been twelve years, Danny, maybe even uh, longer. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had, they had the second album come out. I never really got it there because everyone was kind of telling me that uh, it just wasn't as good as the first one. Like it was good in its own right. So I got a bit scared. And uh, maybe we should get onto that just before we get into the latest one, though. Yeah, it's definitely. Like whenever you go see like the new movie of a series, you always have to hear the back catalogue of the movies. Well, now we have to hear the back catalogue of Dragon Lord. There's only two, so that's easy. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you don't know who Dragon Lord is, by all means, go ahead and get Rapture. That album is like just pure, yeah, black and death metal, but it's just great. You know, it's just, just got tough riffs on it. It's what we've been chasing, the sound we've been chasing ever since we started this show. And we have come, come close a lot of times, if sometimes we've even matched it, you know, with Flesh God Apocalypse, no doubt. Oh, I thought that's a chase. We try to make the show black and dark. I thought oh. we'd get evil, like kill puppies and stuff like that. Oh, I can't afford the glue, man. Don't worry about yeah. it. We're going to talk about Lamb of God. This guy's been in the... Uh, we're talking about their lead singer. Uh, we've got Randy Blythe. Randy. Oh, Randy. And now he's come out and uh, said a lot of things about... Mostly political. Uh, he doesn't really have much to say about it in the sense that uh, the whole entire... Uh, I guess fan base of the Democrats and Republic are kind of like going out at each other like a really crazy orgy, but without the sex and without me, yeah, not much fun, I guess. Yeah, I guess like a bunch of white guys around a beer pong table. (laughs) 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 Excited for really no real reason. Well, you know, the thing is, what I wanted to talk about is, um, what did he really, I guess, go on about? He's just maybe talking about Slayer, I guess Tom Araya, because he kind of and kind of made fun of it. You know, he was making fun of the whole. Oh, you know, make America great again. I think he even got into the hats and stuff. Now, aligned people to, you know, because Slayer fans are pretty crazy. They ended up like burning records and stuff and sending fire to their grandmothers because they were wearing a Slayer t shirt or something, you know? Yeah, because that's because I'm Tom O'Reilly. He didn't come out and attack Trump. He said, give this guy a go, and everybody got really upset. Yeah. Like, How dare you? How dare Sensible. you have a different opinion? <laughs> and this is the thing, you know, like the last president that we saw trying to take on the CIA got a new haircut. The thing was, I guess his head wasn't anywhere near his body when it happened. So Yeah, they took a little bit too much off the top. Normally, <laughs> normally haircut's just the hair part, not the uh, face part. Anyway. Yeah, see, they go up to your microwave, and it knows what you want. So it just doesn't know exactly. So when you talk to your microwave and your food in the morning, uh-huh. just be very specific how you want your toast done. Not you being in the toast in the bath at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Toasters these days, mate. All right, pretty, pretty out of well, it. Well, look at this way. You get a movie made out of you, right? And then we get something else to talk about. So, yeah. But anyway, I think it's it's also come because you have the massive tour of Lamb of God, Slayer, and Behemoth. So there's also talks about. So they, I guess they wanted to yeah. see what Randy was regarding the Tom, how they feel. But I think Randy, he's he's gone over that part. Yeah, but, we know metal sucks. Miller and Jackson have a lot to say about things that don't align with them politically. Don't worry, we get into that later on this uh, episode. But we want to talk about something that really has me querying whether I'm going to like this story or not. I'm talking about Devil You Know. Now, we're talking here Howard Jones. You'll know him from such things like the Kill Switch Engage when 
Jesse Leach left, he joined the ranks and released some of the most brutal and awesomely boring uh, songs that Killswitch have ever written. You know, from the best to the very worst, he's been a part of it, right? And so that we say congratulations. Do yeah, you agree? Yeah, no, he was good. Um, Rosie Sharon's always a favourite, so he was part of that era. And the Killswitch, Killswitch album itself was, you know, not my favourite. Yeah. Then we're talking about Pete Winches, who you would also know from things like early to middle soil work, definitely the best part of their years before they got a little bit sidetracked with this whole not being metal band anymore. And then they went on to kill Nevermore as well. This guy, Pete Winches, decided to make the worst Nevermore album and, um, you know, split up my favourite band. So how should we feel, Danny? Well, me as being impartial, I guess I don't really have any strong feelings whether this going to be great or not. Apparently people won't be happy because it's both really two strong melodic type dudes who have melodic death, I guess, bass. I know... Yeah, death, uh, yeah, maybe. Okay, well, One point. Maybe just melodic something, something. Yeah. So, hey, it could be it could be interesting. Uh, it could also be that they're, they're too similar, I guess too simple. Early on in these guys' career, these guys were very, very good and very inspiring guys like me to write death metal, but also to hopefully get something a bit more infused with it, like a niche, maybe more melody, maybe some more technical technical stuff, expressing more ideas on the guitar. That's what I'd explain with Pete Winches. The thing is that Howard Jones has gotten the same, you know, early stuff with Killswitch is perfect. Just incredibly fun, tough, really have a go with your mates. But then now he's writing stuff with Devil You Know, and it's pretty much like what you would write for a song like uh, in the Hollywood hits, you know, those like really big blockbuster car movies. And they have like that really, you know, lame chorus in it, but I guess the riff has three notes in it, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, well, look, we'll see. Again, it's one of those scenes where people might think it's a super group, but it might end up being just a nothing, another group. Let's talk about a, a maybe super group to an actual super group. Judas Priest production team has all gotten together for a new photo. So that gets people excited for the new album, right, Danny? Oh, exactly. It's, it's a follow-up from their 2014 album. So, you know, it's still pretty good. Judas Priest is still going strong after all these years. And apparently they've gone back to, like, one of the original producers from the 70s and 80s. So Ooh. give him credit, man. He keeps, uh, keeps him loyal. We can't take talk about this anymore, unfortunately, because this uh, band comes up later on in today's episode about one of our fans. So we'll give you our full thoughts and feelings around this. So we're going to have to move on to the next band in flames. The Inflames frontman, Andres, has come out and saying he doesn't want to write political songs or fantasy songs, right? And after the Sense of Purpose album, I'd imagine that he stopped writing good songs too. Yeah, apparently, yeah, it's, it's getting pretty bad for Inflames. <laughs> they've really got to start chucking songs out fire because it's starting to burn out. It's kind know? of ironic that they're going to go out not in a bang but in a whimper. And that's if, for a name like Inflames, it'd be like kind of ironic that's how they go out these days. Yeah, apparently the last album they recorded, The Battles, the guys did it in like California somewhere, like quite nice. It was actually quite a really pleasant, really enjoyable recording process. And I was yeah, like, you can tell. Yeah, is that a problem? Yeah, like conflicting feelings and emotions, yeah. you know? There should be a guy, he comes in every half an hour to tell you how bad you are at life and flick your nuts. Just that <sighs> perfect way that it doesn't hurt until 30 seconds later when it does again. Yeah. You know, uh, the way that Sweden writes all good metal, I'd imagine, right? Like, no one in Sweden is like, oh, wow, it's snowing for the 11th month of the year. Wow, you know, yeah. I'm not going to write a death metal album. Like, come on, that's where all the death metal comes from. What else are they going to do? They're depressed. They haven't seen sun. They haven't got vitamin C. That's really upsetting. It is. Really, it makes no sense that Norway is also the most happiest place on the earth. So maybe someone's lying. <laughs> someone, someone out there is lying. Yeah, the priority is, is like they're the most happiest and I think by contrast, the most Catholic community in the world. And... On start, you know, without light, you can't have the darkness. And here is black metal coming, raining right through, you know. I wouldn't have Old Man's Child because of it. So, you know, Golda, 
Love you a long time, buddy. Don't hope you see sun the next 20 years, though. I want to hear some more good demon worms. He he's too pasty. He'll just, like, oh, disintegrate if he sees sun. All that Turing's made him rich and happy. It's just yeah. not good enough, man. But, you know, enough about wishing damnation on my favourite artist. I want to talk about Welcome to Wacken, which is the new festival documentary. They don't really say much on the Facebook page, and there's not much you can find on the uh, internet when I looked, you know, for my you know, 30 seconds on Google. Yeah. But what it looks like, Danny, is what do you think? Well, they're saying it's like a virtual concert, so I'm not too sure if some guys are going to have like a GoPro strapped to their head when they walk around Varken and you experience it through some person's GoPro. I mean, I, I, that's, they're saying it's a virtual tour, a virtual concert. That's what I can really think it could be. Yeah, that's what it looked like. And that's a great idea. You know, we want to see, if you want to, don't want to pay, you know, what, 20 grand, what is it for, you know, plane fare tickets and, you know, hotels and stuff. You know, that's a funny thing. You buy a ticket to go to see a band like that overseas, but then you got to put that into consideration. All of a sudden, your $300 ticket to see Rainbow comes to a total of $23,000 in a student loan payment. So, you know, it wasn't, I didn't regret it, Danny. It was a lot of fun, no, right? No. You're right in front of me here. No. I know it was your idea. But that's the thing, right? It's uh, it gives the people like us in Australia who don't get our festival now anymore. Yeah. We had our festival. We ruined it. You yeah. know. Instead of like going to a festival and standing behind a six foot six guy, I can stay at home and watch a guy on the video <laughs> on the internet stand behind a six foot six guy. Yeah, I imagine that is the six foot six guy with a GoPro on his head. Yeah, hopefully they pick the tall guy. But it's gonna be bad when he like what's it lining up for a beer cam or oh. like going to take a whiz cam. Yeah, you see this guy like taking a slash for 30 seconds or, you know, more like 20 minutes, you know? And like in the background, you can just hear like Arch Enemy and you're like, dude, you're missing Jeff. Turn around. <laughs> Line up for merchandise cam. He's like looking at some hot chick the whole time. <laughs> for 20 minutes, we're seeing some chick's ass. I'm like, this is a rip off, man. Yeah. I got the internet. I don't need to see this. Exactly. <laughs> uh, is it too early to talk about Otep's latest uh, abhorred? Uh, song, Danny? Yeah, it's about that time. No, we'll just mention it. We've already mentioned it. It's, it's right. supposed to be controversial and it's supposed to be like edgy and groundbreaking and make you question everything in life, but just turns out to be just a, a terrible, terrible song and a really bad film clip. You know, I can see why the guys from Butcher Babies don't want to have cocaine with her. I wouldn't either. I'd keep all that stuff for myself, you know? Yeah, sure, drug overdose. Who cares, man? If I was be in hospital with a coma, it'd at least be better than talking to this chick. I mean, this song is terrible and the worst thing is is that it has this political edge that right now places like metal sucks metal injection really love let's talk about metal injection for a sense you know they consider this film clip provocative you know it's got uh parring with lyrics and images and it makes you talk about you know a quality which is fantastic right but the real kicker is metal sucks who went on to bag it for looking like a calvin klein ad which i thought was hilarious and true but they undermined it by saying this song is going to make metal fans confront their feelings about sexuality and how they treat people different to them. And that's funny because all I could imagine listening to the song is how much I hate it and how much I don't want diversity because I was so pissed off that gay people inspired this person to write such a terrible song. It is a terrible song. It's a I mean, terrible song. The song is called Equal Rights and Equal Lefts. And you get it because if you see the film clip, she actually punches up a dude. So she's giving him equal left equal left fist and equal right fist but it's also that people on each side of the political spectrum can also be traded equally isn't that like really clever isn't that like one of the cleverest things you've ever heard in nah your life? because you're gonna and that's the thing it's like we've seen a lot of people publicize this song as being a the way it's gonna revolutionize the way people think about music but I think a song that doesn't blow ass will make people help to think how they revolutionize music I think being entertained and being you know, inspired by great riffs and all that. Whether you're singing about Magic Noodles or about something as political as this, it's more important that the listener gets a good song out of it. Yeah. And I heard the first 10 seconds. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do three minutes. Yeah, if you want edgy film clips, just watch a Madonna film clip. I mean, at least they're edgy. At least they 
got some sort of melody to it. This is just. And terrible. as far as being provocative, yeah, because it's two really fucking hot chicks that are just making out, putting their tongues up each other's asses, and then it's two incredibly packed guys with incredibly sharp abs putting tongues up each other's asses. Yeah, that's that's not. It's not provocative. It's, just... it's porn. Yeah. yeah. And porn's great, but if this is the thing that happens, when I'm watching this film clip. The girls came out, my dick was out. And when the girls were off and the guys were up, my dick was in. That was it. That's how I feel about it. It was provocative to look at because it was, I, what I thought was cool was cool. And I, you know, oh, you're not gay or whatever. Like, no, nah, if you want to be gay, that's awesome. You double your wardrobe, you know, you, you share a lot of common interests and you don't have, you know, the chances of having offspring that turn into writing for middle sucks. Am I, <laughs> exactly. am I right? It's pretty good, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know... I like, I, I'm cool with you making a political statement. Just make sure the next time when you do it, your song doesn't eat a big bag of wet vaginas. Uh-oh, you have the equal mat, vagina dicks. Vagina dicks. Yeah. Balls full of hairy pussies. Yeah, okay. All right, this show's getting crazy. Let's finish off with Mark Jansen from Epica. And I really want to finish on this one on a very strong note. He is talking about old bands who complain about the diminishing record sales. We talked a little bit about this, I think, the other day with Kiss. Now, Gene Hoagland doesn't want to do another album of Kiss because he doesn't see a financial backing. Gene, Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons, sorry. He doesn't see a financial return from doing it. You know, gone are the days when these old guys used to do an album for the love of it. No, they need to see something come out of it, right? And so that's what he's kind of taking on board. He's like, look, you know, these guys that are coming through right now could never or maybe will never ever see millions of dollars, but they get paid every day to do what they love and make an honest living out of it. And for that, we salute Mark Jansen as the metalhead of the week. Yeah, that, that could be a new thing, and you're correct, because that's what Mark Jansen He laughed because he said, these guys here used to like millions of dollars, buying their mansions, living it up, living in luxury. And... Like Mark Anson goes, we've, we've never experienced that. We've never experienced growing up where record sales have been great, where we can make tons of money. So for us, it literally is doing it because we enjoy it and because we have fans out there who want to hear our music. But he reckons people like Gene Simmons are now just over it. People like Gene don't need the money anymore. That makes it even worse. They should literally just be about the music because that's really what's left, isn't it? You've already got your 20 million mansions, your reality TV show, all that, or just you know, all your patents, your OJ. The Kiss patents. Army should be like upset. They should be like, you know what, these guys aren't putting them over anymore because not because uh, you don't know, support their music, you're just not supporting their, their houses, you know, and that's what they want you for. And I get that the business is a thing, but like you said, they could still be sustainable with an album. You know, they won't. Yeah, you know, this is and this is where we're at right now, guys. So if you're a Kiss fan out there, I'd evaluate the last thirty years of your life. And if you're not that old, then you know, when you're a uterus or whatever or a fetus, yeah. but must be, look, yeah. must be getting desperate times for Kiss because they had a release those air guitar strings for four american dollars each so they must be like all the way down to what else can we release because we need some more money and mm. that's what's come down to so maybe maybe tough times all right and with that guys let's over head over sorry to our featured presentation our editorial for the week this week in the editorial we decided to keep it pretty simple didn't we danny yes but is it really simple man when you really think about it what is your favorite anything is it actually harder than you think and the worst thing that makes me hard and incredibly hard in this episode is asking what our fans think, right? We decided Ooh. to go right up to them, not on the street. That's, that's a lot of work. You know, I'm talking about we went to the only place we know how, and that's the internet. And on the internet, we told them, look, out there in internet land, what is your favorite metal band? A pretty simple question. Am I right? Again. Am mm, I right? Simple. Mm. Am I right? Uh, so we're going to talk about what their favorite simple, well, sorry, what their favorite metal band is, and we're going to give our honest opinion. This is going to be literally off the cuff. We're going to be dead serious about it, and hopefully, there's a lot of bands we know here because if we don't, this is going to be a really awkward episode. 
Yeah, especially when we start faking and calling wrong genres and people get really pissy. Something Actually, that could be the fun. We just purposely mispronounce and mislabel them genres. Uh, that might be hard Faking and being somewhere else. That's what my girlfriend thinks about me all the time, Danny. Oh, well, that's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> right from the top, we are talking about the band we will skip for four, Judas Priest. Ben Saunders has asked us what we think about it. You know, he thinks British Steel, Screaming for Vengeance, Painkiller and Turbo, which he reckons some people didn't like, but he absolutely loves. Danny, thoughts about Judas Priest? I mean, Judas Priest, I guess, one of those really iconic British bands that pretty much helped establish the whole power metal sound and really has to bring metal into a bit of a forefront. You know, they were quite a popular band. They're still going strong now. Um, I saw them at Soundwave, and they got a great turnout there. Oh, yeah, Every, everybody loves Judas Priest to a degree. Again, with me, with Judas Priest, like, their, their great songs are really great, but their other songs are just not that memorable for me. Like, I mean, they're great songs like Painkillers, of course, are classic. I love that high-intensity stuff, Free Will Burning, all those songs are great. But then you have... The yeah, was like breaking the law and stuff like that, and um, uh, together we'll rule the world. That song, those songs that they're just for me, it's just okay. So for me, with it comes to Juice Priest, it's a really great song. It's just some really okay songs. Yeah, with me the same kind of thing. Unfortunately, growing up, we were subjected to other different kind of metal bands around that era. We had obviously Rainbow growing up, Deep Purple, uh, obviously Rich Me Black Horse stuff as well. Dio was massive in our family as well. And that's what we kind of had around us. And then by the time we got into Judas Priest, it was quite later and kind of got to miss out how respected these guys were. I will give uh, Ben Sean as a prop though. Yep, great band. But unfortunately, aside from like as Daniel said, a couple of songs that we really love and the songs that we didn't think about so much for. Uh, yeah, that's our first take on, on, uh, on Judas Priest. Great band. Wish we knew more about him. Oh, exactly right. I mean, it's one of those bands, you know that then you're always like, yeah, yeah, I'll get into them one day, I'll get into them one day. I just haven't really properly gotten into them. Brenton Jamison has told us Ramstein, straight out love it, very simple. A band that personally I find sometimes a little bit overrated with their musical compositional writing, but very underrated when you see them live. I'm talking like anyone who can get millions of people to see them grab a 20-foot penis and ejaculate over the one-third of the crowd deserves a lot of props, right? Yeah, and they got... They got- was it fire or pyrotechnics so big that they'll probably be banned in Australia? That's probably yeah. why they don't tour here that much. Yeah, you know, and what, you know, don't come to Australia. If we aren't cool enough to have exploding kittens on stage, then what's the point, right? Yeah, like you've said before, man, the past, give credit to Ramstein, a band which predominantly sings, if not 100% sings in a foreign language, has made it into like a Western market. Oh, brilliant. Where, yeah, and this guy is not like he growls or screams, he actually sings. So, yeah, it's actually quite interesting. The, the way these guys went about it, these guys are a marketing masterpiece because, like you said, this should not have existed in Australia, but it did because it never has before. And to that, props, you know. Uh, it's amazing what they do. Go see them live. Uh, every song I've heard of them, I didn't necessarily love, but the industrial sound is quite predominant and, you know, I do love it in other styles. Respect to them, you know. I'll, if they came here, I would definitely pay to see them live because it's an experienced band. I might even get into the sound more when I hear it. But uh, unfortunately, there isn't a song yet I've heard from Ramstein which made me want to listen to the band. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, it's actually funny because that was during our like high school years and they made it back in the video hits and everything. And people were like saying, oh, you love metal. Don't you love Ramstein? I was like, oh, well, I like metal, but unfortunately, I'm not a massive Ramstein fan. Yeah, that's when you, they start to realize how deep the metal hell goes. But we're going to move on yeah. to Amy Linwood. Oh, man, she cries to the uh, hills of and above. That's a tough question. But I guess the band she loves the most is Lacuna Coil. You know, she's got a lot of them and some that we probably won't know. That's a good point. We probably wouldn't. Lacuna Coil is one of those Italian rock now going to metal kind of conglomeration or progression. Quite an unusual band, Lacuna Coil, Danny, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, they first started, well, I first got into them back in like the early 2000s, and 
Oh, look, they're, they're cool. There's some like, good rocky sound, progressive sound. Um, Christina Scabia is a very good singer. Unfortunately, at that stage, when I was starting to get into it, I was very off-put by the male singer who was always on there as well. He just was very... um. I just didn't like him at all, and it kind of put me off that band for a bit. I never really got back into him. Best album from them for me is In a Reverie. I actually own that album, and when I heard Lacuna Core, I knew this album was one I would buy, and on the rare occasion, it does come out and gets a good spin. Worst, uh, look, I heard Coma Lies the other day, and I was not impressed. You know, they went off from their rock tangent of very somber but also very beautiful kind of feel with a lot of different ideas and little splashes of uh, ingenuity and uh, inspiration. But they kind of started to rip off new metal. And all those kind of ideas that they took from kind of went away and it lost a little bit of that diversity and a bit of that imagination for, you know, two or three, you know, riff kind of, you know, boring kind of passages that didn't really inspire to me. However, again, the strongest part of the band and the weakest part of the band is the scene. Yes, Christina Scabia is gorgeous, beautiful, and amazing talent. Um, she sings pretty good too, right? Hey, hey, hey. And yeah, the guy on it is just not my type. He's got a very whiny, drawn out, uh, just that that style is just not my, my cup of tea. And uh, a lot of fans from Lacuna Kai, I've told, express the same way. Lately, he might have been different, but unfortunately, I have to go with what I got. Good point. Uh, yeah, go out and buy in a reverie. I've actually got it, and it's very, very good. Zach Hammett. Oh, another one. He's got a lot to say about it, but he wants to say Megadeth. Not his favorite thrash band, but one of the big four. One of his favorite bands that he's actually first seen as well, I would imagine. Um, Danny, with Megadeth, what do you think? Do you? They've gone through a lot of changes. I would honestly say their earlier stuff, for me, eclipses their latest stuff. But what do you think? Oh, I mean, I guess everybody always, their early stuff always makes him big and on stage. And for him to play, we saw him a bit at um, Grasshopper last year, and he was still playing off the Rust and Peace album. So it shows you how biggest successful that album was and yeah but give credit they're still going strong still pull good crowds won their first grammy award last year for you know first time after being nominated 11 or 12 times um and even like some of the new albums i've been hearing they've been actually some hit and miss but some more likely been decent so give credit to him he's actually coming back and he even came out this week and saying that himself and angus young and i think kurt hammer james hetfield are probably three of the biggest forward names when it comes to writing strong melodies. So, hey, he's not short of confidence, which is always good. Yeah, he won't uh, kick with that nasty, uh, you know, God, or was it Oedipus Complex? Was it God Complex? Can't yeah, remember. God Complex. Yeah, God Complex. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, you know, good for him, I guess, you know. Uh, the reason why Megadeth are so strongly remembered is, I guess, for everyone, the Rust and Peace album is iconic for anyone who owns a metalhead. Uh, if you aren't a metal, if you are a metalhead and you don't have that album, you should do it. You know, it's one of those classic albums that everyone should own. Because you hear it and you just hear the amount of creativity that Thrash had at that time and how timeless that album can really be, you know? And those melodies are very, very strong, very memorable, but there's a lot of technique and a lot of, you know, that Thrash, which is just fast on the way through it. It's a great album, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think the band we're reviewing afterwards, Lockup, I reckon they got a bit of their sound from bands like Megadeth so they have definitely had an impact on the metal community and metal uh, writing and bands which have followed yeah and that's and that's for sure later on though I would definitely fall out of love with it to be honest I think Marty Friedman's work with the band was the strongest area for me however some people may argue differently and that's fine you know opinions are like assholes. everyone's got at least one of them What's more important though? Yeah. <laughs> What's more important though is that we do recommend Megadeth for sure. I would definitely say though, Rust and Peace is the album that I've owned and it will always cherish and it does get plays now and then. And it's an album that people can really, really enjoy no matter what demographic you are. Yeah, definitely. Just go for it. 
Richie Suffing, Tesseract. Interesting band to uh, pick. I'm glad he chose it. Danny, what do you think of the band? Yeah, Tesseract, again, that's the whole genty sound. Yeah. I heard him once. Unfortunately with me, I just can't really get into the gent sound because I need to have a groove or some sort of rock feel, which I can kind of groove along to. Fortunately, Tesseract, look, give them credit. Their timing's amazing. Uh, musicianship is like great for them to play what they do, but I just have never really got into that band for that reason. I've got... The Testament 1, I'm guessing it's their first one. They maybe got album 2, which they've called 2. And album 3 is like, yeah, we're going to play 1 and 2 again and get the best tracks off of it, I'd imagine. Uh, it could be, man. Could be. Yeah. Who knows, right? Uh, yeah, again, I think it's a band that has a very familiar sound. Um, that now, because they've established it for themselves, which is good. And they've taken the gent, but less gent, 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 and more ambience. And, you know, just a bit more drawn out, which I think was was good that it happened in the gen because it got really technical at one point. Everything was like animals as leaders and it was impossible to even know if there was a note being played or a song being played because it was just all just chaos, the whole thing, you know, just about showing technique. They came along and were kind of pushed away from it, you know, added some of those signature sounds and tunings, but brought along some more ideas about progressive ambient nature. And for that, I'd say it's cool, but it's not our thing, unfortunately. Yeah, it's definitely one of those um, styles you really got to get into because if you're somewhat hesitant about that style, you just unfortunately won't get into the band. Jake Berryman's got to go with Amity Affliction. Dude, I haven't heard any hardcore for the last 10 years, so yeah, we're going to have to probably skip through that one, I'd imagine. Unfortunately. I mean, they're quite popular. I think they toured here recently, which is great. So yeah, yeah. that's good to hear. We're going to move on to Andrew Milani's actually Foot Nugget. Now, uh, uh, not exactly a middle band. I'm pretty sure they were punk. They were actually from my school. <laughs> uh, they were pretty cool, but they also treated me like a dick sometimes. And for that, we don't really care about Nugget too much. They can probably get ass cancer for it. Yeah. <laughs> not the guys. I'm talking about the bands, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Love your long time there, uh, Dogger. Uh, we're going to talk about Jake Berryman now. This is what we've came for. The bands that we have a very strong opinion for. These last four are going to get your balls tingling, your ovaries moist, and more importantly, your ears next to the microphone, Danny. Exactly. In anticipation of what we shall be listening to and reviewing now, which is, of course, the band we've mentioned earlier today, Optet. No, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You gave me a heart attack. <laughs> I'm like, bullshit, we're reviewing Optet. No, no, no. Apparently, um, Jake's favorite band is, uh, if you know the bloke, you'll probably guess it, is Dream Theater. Yeah, the guy loves Dream Theater. And why wouldn't you? I own everything, and I'm talking everything until one particular. Yeah, it's near the end of the, um, the run of the work. A dramatic turn of events, and that's for me when, for me, it might be one of their worst albums. I heard it and I was like, there's nothing on this album. It was pretty much self-indulgence. They took the best, one track was literally the best which they thought from the whole entire thing and pasted it together, and I was like, no way. The rest of the songs are very unmemorable, maybe apart from the first track with a couple of those really cool, fat Dream Theater Pantera lines that they steal. However, Danny, what is your worst album from Dream Theater before we talk about the best? Maybe the first one, actually. I forgot about that. Oh, how to say? I mean, I think the last album I kind of heard in full was, was an older album. Now, it was that Octavarium. Um, I think that's when they started going away from the rock sound and more into just true progressive, I guess, sound. And unfortunately, for me, Dream Theater, even though like uh, images and words is great because you can say it's progressive, but it still is catchy and like memorable. Mm. And I think some of Dream Theater's strongest works is like that, or when they get rocking like Awake or uh, Train of Thoughts. All those albums uh, have that nice strong rock melody sections before they get a bit too long-winded. 
with their um, songwriting styles. I don't know about my favourite one at the moment. I'm really a fan of a couple of albums from Dream Theater, so let's talk about my favourite. Scenes from Memories, one of them, right? Images and Words, another. Train of the Thoughts. And I'm going to have to go with... Even the Awake album has some very strong moments for me. But, to be honest, I'm going to go with Scenes from Memory, Danny. Wow, really? Okay, why's that? Well, I really like the way they cut down the... They went too over-complicated, and the band was aware of this when they did Train of Thought, and they got the album done in like two or three weeks, more focused on heavy riffs and stuff. Uh, but I think the songs were more fleshed out when it came to scenes from memory, and there were actually better contrasts of the heaviest to the happiest riffs, but all the songs really came across with some strong melodies, and the nods and winks to previous stuff in order to tell a story was, I think, just subtle but appropriate. They didn't overkill anything. you know. They didn't exactly take whole entire sections of songs, put it together like the last album. That's not how you quote yourself, Dream Theater. You were doing it right, you know, you know, five, ten years ago before you went to that. So in that, and I thought that was the best way they've done it. And I really love the storytelling of that album. I thought it was very clever. The playing on it's brilliant. The melodies are very strong. And the shredding on it is to die for. So with that, that's why I reckon that album's the best. Great. Well, there you go. But they're a great band. Definitely have produced a lot and helped a lot with the uh, metal community. And they've been going strong for 25 yeah, plus uh, years. I must admit, you know, mid- middle to early for me. I'd love to hear, Jake, your your favorite Dream Theater album out there. So if you're on there, head over to our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash stupidmetalbro. And uh, type yours on there so we can have a bit more of a chat on it, you know. Jacinta Catania. She's actually mentioned for a BF, which must be a best friend. Could yeah, be boyfriend, heard- but I don't think so. No, that's not true. Pantera, you got one hell of a best friend there. Make sure you hook us up. We'll get him a shot on the show, Danny. I reckon maybe her best friend's Phil. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Awesome. Um, best Pantera album, worst Pantera. All right, we'll start with the worst Pantera album. Danny, is there anything that comes to mind that you absolutely hated from the band or just nothing that really gravitated you to buy the album? Uh, look, I've only heard a couple of the albums, but a lot of people are saying their first one is probably their worst one just because it's power metal <laughs> yeah it's, and for some people it's their favourite album and everything after the album yeah, sucks ass exactly right I mean, if you go into Pantera back when it was called Pantera like that album you thought oh sweet power metal but then that singer left and no then, it was the same one it still found still is it still Phil is it yeah it was still Phil it doesn't sound like it but that was Phil oh, on that record okay. We'll give him credit. And then they change their style I don't know why they just change their style I mean, even Dimebag changed his name his name was something completely different it's like yeah. Dashing Dimebag or, or is it Dimebag or something like that anyway Not sure. so they, they all decided I guess change become old and they got their own groovy rock I guess southern sound I guess you call it yeah, yeah uh, worst one yeah probably the first in the sense that I didn't love it as much as the others but as far as the best album Dan we've listened to a lot from you know Cowboys from Hell Far Beyond Driven has been one that we played uh, there's been a couple of others sorry give me yeah, a Vulgar Display of Power I guess well, Vulgar Display of Power um, which one for you kind of rings up the most actually, my favourite is actually the Cowboys from Hell album yeah, I mean, a lot of people... I mean, it's, it normally is between that one and Vulgar Display of Power, but for me, I just... I don't know, I think the um, other albums are more rocking. You know, they got their yeah, Domination, or was it Damnation, that song, that's one of the best songs I've heard, so I love that. Yeah, it's a good album. Yeah, I'm kind of... Uh, uh, you decisive. I mean, again... I, I like the Great Southern Trend Kill, because I really like the guitar tone of that album, and it's really angry, and it's got floods on it, which is such a great song, that ending always just kind of gets me tingling. Um, and just some fat riffs on it. You know, that's what I really want to hear from a band. Just some really fat riffs. Uh, the other album's got some great songs, but from top to bottom for me, oh, that album has to be it. I really enjoy that album, and I really enjoy Dimes playing on it. And you really get to get a sense of why Pantera were as big. They got to communicate to a majority of metalheads how to groove out, have really kick-ass soloing in it as well. Lots of innovation, but also just drink beers and have a party. 
Yeah, they definitely. And that's do that. what Benno heads want. More than this, you know, political spectrum, which is kind of try, which the community is trying to infuse into amongst the the fans of it. I think people just want to have a good time and escape these politics and all that. And that's what about to do it to man? Eh? Exactly. We're all cowboys from hell. We're going to talk about our next band, Braden CFC, the winner, inaugural winner of last year's contest for the CD of the year. Remember yeah, that, Danny? Yeah, we picked his name out of the uh, magical hat. And he won the uh, best city, which was Testament. Yeah, it was our second favorite. Literally lost by the inch of my penis, weenus. It was so close to that one between that and Flesh God, but we had to go with Flesh God in the end. However, he's enjoying the Testament, and we aren't because we haven't got the CD now. So thank you, Brayden. He wants to know what we think about Machine Head. Machine Head are his favorite band, and that's definitely a band which has changed quite a lot from their... I guess metal corey kind of grooviness to a change into new metal to now, funny enough, going to more technical with this death metal inspired thrash in sections, which generally for bands you find they they regress like guys like Soilwork and Flames and that go to more alternative, try to placate to a bigger market. These guys went the opposite, pretty daring, but it worked for them. Yeah, well, again, band which keeps going from success to success, doing quite well for themselves. Um, again, I got into them early two thousands. You know, I need yeah. Not bad, Rob Flynn. Great guy on stage as well. Great frontman to have in your band. So, I guess he's always the main songwriter. So having him in the band for so long is always got to keep the style progressing. But yeah, another another very successful band. Yeah, look, there's not much which I've heard from the middle section because basically that's when metalheads can all agree that Machine Head's middle was pretty kind of boring. It didn't really impact anyone the way they thought, especially from the first album with songs like Davidian and things like that. You know that. When they claimed launched onto the scene, there was such a big sound and those harmonics that were kind of getting thrown at people that no one, everyone was taken back. You know, it was so heavy and so big. It was like Chimera, just like lots of toughness to it. And they kind of got in a rut, but then they came back with the blackening. And I guess for me, I don't own the album, but I would strongly recommend it as one of their best because it's just a showcase of neoclassical inspired thrash, but also, you know, some of their trademark sounds. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's good stuff, man. Yeah. So with that, I guess that is our whole take. Or is it? Because there are a couple of bands I want to catch before we leave. Danny, I'm going to throw some more bands at you because I know I've got friends who love these bands. We're talking about Super Metal Brother Luke. He's a big uh, fan of the show. He wouldn't put it on there, but he wants to know about Lamb of God. Danny, what is your take on Lamb of God? Uh, Lamb of God, very enjoyable band. All right, it's very good. They've got their great own sound, very distinct. Always put a great live show on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, the last album, I haven't heard much of the last album, but all this, they've done yeah, a lot of great albums. You know, Ruins and... As a Palace Burns, all those are just fantastic. Sacrament all day, man. Sacrament, apparently, yeah, that's classic album as well. So, yeah, they're, 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 they're fantastic. I've seen him live about two or three times now. I know he's great. Ashes of the Wake is a great album, too. It's probably my second favorite, but definitely want to get your hands on uh, Sacrament. I think that's a combination of the best. You know, you got some of the more like death metal elements to their classic sounds to even more brutality and more technique that they've brought to this album with a good bit of energy, you know, but a little bit of more. Diversity, I think, and more uh, technically, which I like too. Yeah, it was um, it's really up there. The the latest stuff for me, uh, it's just taken back too much. I think it's more of the same from Lamb of God. They're a band that hasn't progressed as well as I would have hoped. I think they're starting to definitely not quote themselves, but close as you can to it. You gotta imagine, Danny. Yes, I mean Randy's trying to bring a new element in with his cleans vocals. So. Yeah, they've got more of a country. So they brought that country sound in, which I don't really gravitate to a lot. So I guess they did try something new and didn't quite work for me. So I should give them some slack. 
But uh, definitely the newest stuff isn't working on me at the moment, guys. Even the album just before it, uh, Desolation, is it the album? I think, yeah, that could be right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. But um, you definitely that one there for me as well. It's got about three killer tracks and some of the others is like, yeah, more of the same from a band you know and love. So take it with it comes. Symphony X. Ah, <laughs> whose favorite band is that one? Band. I, want hear, I want to hear what you have to take about the band. progressive metal band of our generation. The quintessential one. Yes, I saw Dream Theater on there, Jake, but you're just wrong now because yeah. a new kid has stepped up to the block and this is the heavy metal band that every progressive metal band fan should love. Yeah, they really do. This band, I know they're my favorite band like at the moment, but they should really be on everyone's top 10 list. Because they're so great. I just one of the amazing things about Symphony X is that the, every album changes quite dramatically. Yet you still know it's a Symphony X album. Like they started in the early ninety or mid nineties, and they did like pretty much progressive rock slash metal with like um, Twilight Olympus and Methodology Sweet Five. Pretty much true progressive songs. But they just keep getting them into Odyssey, which got a bit more rocking, and then they got to um, Paradise Lost, which got more rocking again. And then they got Iconoclast, which is even heavier. What is the best? Uh, you know, it's actually funny. Uh, really, it's actually like for me, a mood thing for me to find what my best album is. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually go back now to like Methodology Week 5, just because sometimes I feel like this is really strong progressive songs. But at the same time, if you want pure the heaviest album, you go to Iconoclast. So, All right. Yeah, so you got to take... You're going to... Uh, England, right? And you're going to take one band, one CD from this band, Symphony X, right, with you just to listen to because your phone is crappy and it only has enough space for like 10 tracks. What album are you taking with you the most? Well, one, yeah, okay, fair point. The one I have to take is actually Iconoclast, but the one which has all the bonus songs on it. Because oh, if, you, cool. if you bought the single Iconoclast, which I did initially, you only had, I think it was seven or eight tracks, but then the bonus one actually came out with like 10 tracks or so, like three more tracks. And this song is actually really good. But the worst of it is anything before Mythology Suite 5, I'd imagine. They weren't too fond of it either, but what about you? Yeah, I mean, before they had... I mean, Twilight Olympics was... I still had some great songs off that album. That's pretty much progressive power metal type thing with like Dragon's Den and songs like that on it. Uh, but before they have, yeah, uh, the song which had Acolyte 1 on it, uh, Divine Winds of Tragedy... Oh, that one there. I have actually, if you haven't heard that one, there's one before that I haven't heard that either. Russell Allen didn't sing that first one, so I don't care. And the second one, yeah, I probably haven't heard it because you're right, the, the band itself says it's not really our great work, so I've just ignored it. So, yeah, so for me, that's it. Symphony X, look, it really is a band everybody needs to hear and appreciate because there is an album out there for anyone who likes any style of metal without, of course, death metal vocals. But yeah, but I guess now you've asked me my favorite question. So, we've already done this one though. So, I think we have to ask Matthew. Uh, what album we are reviewing? Let's talk about let's talk about Nevermore just quickly. Nevermore. Right. Yeah, look, Godless Endeavor. We talked about this on the retrospective, but Godless Endeavor is my favorite album and least favorite album. Uh, it's either the, the very last one they did or the very first one they did. Yeah, I can't remember because if I didn't have to listen to those CDs ever again, um, I would be like sad, but I wouldn't be devastated because there isn't enough on it to keep me interested so yeah it's either the first or the last one probably the first one because the last one's got at least three really 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 awesome tracks off of it and the first one's got some really enjoyable tracks off of it okay well, there you go with that we're going to move on to our feature presentation we are talking about our CD review with Lockup Demonization is the name of this album released in 2017 it is a 
Grindcore? Uh, that's what they says on Wikipedia. I don't know. I want to call this a thrash metal album, Danny. Yeah, I was like thrash and death at times. I, I was yeah when I saw grindcore, I really was like, oh, there are elements of grindcore. But yeah, there's a couple of riffs mm. that you know have that classic grindcore feel, which they don't resolute anywhere, they don't go anywhere. It's just a chromatic mess that creates uh. tension and, and angst for your boss and your job, which you already had, but it gives you the courage to you know go ahead and you know get fired. Which exactly. you know, this is formed by Shane Embury. Now this guy here napalm death venomous concept never heard of that second one but napalm death are pretty massive yeah you can kind of tell with napalm death yeah nicholas barker with x Crayler filth eximi borgia this guy is a juggernaut he's been on other things too like old man's child as well he's been he's pretty much been that black death metal guy he's just pit on almost any everything jesse pintado again napalm death and terrorizer originally this band had the guy from hypocrisy danny is a singer that peter tuggan Oh, yeah, he's only there for one album, then he's like, nah, this isn't going to do for me. And it's fair enough, you know. It's quite different to his stuff with the pain and with hypocrisy. That's probably what happened. He left this band and all he felt was pain. And he thought, that's a good name for a band. Let's go with that. Where this band gets me, though, and this is what you're going to see, is literally when they do CDs. Now, I think it started in 99. Then I think it was 2002 was Hatebreed Suffering. Nine years later, it took for the next album with Necropolis Transparent in 2011. Six years later, we're wow. here in 2017 with the latest one. This will give you a kind of idea how much of a supergroup, or I should say side project. This is a side project of a side project, you know. Uh, they let this shoot for a long, long time, and fans either would be rejoiced or be incredibly frustrated or even forget who the guys are, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's hard to keep momentum going, especially if it's a side project. I mean, because you won't tour with this band, you don't do releases that often. It's hard for bands to stay excited. But look, we're excited about Dragon Lord coming up again. So yeah, those strong romantic feelings keep coming. You know, we've been bouncing from band to band to find that love again. But you know, we'll never feel the same way as those romantic nights, staying curled up with a bottle of wine, listening to your favorite uh, Silence and Hat Black. You know, just da da da. Like, oh my yeah. god, we're playing Twister. Very romantic. Mm. I remember those days, but. What we think about Lockup? Well, I thought that this we had to review it because this supergroup, it originally is. You see these names, the household names, and I've got nothing but love for Old Man's Child. Dude, Boogie, and Cradle of Filth, he was in it for the best years. Don't get me wrong. After he left, man, they went all commercial, and they gave Danny Bill too much ball. You know, he needs to play like striker. He gets the ball four or five to- times a game, and he scores goals with it. He should not be the midfielder or, you know, the grass itself. He shouldn't have the ball for that long. Okay. <laughs> he was a ref. He just wants the attention on himself. Oh, yeah. my God. Anyone who's seen his interviews will know exactly what I'm talking about. We're going to talk about the riff straight up from this album, the guitar work, and there is a lot of guitar work. Shit. This is riff roller I don't think you could count the amount of sand on the ocean in the in Glen Elk Beach and still be like, nah, it's not enough riffs I was on this album. Yeah, I think these guys found out that the uh, world record for the most notes played in a minute was like, Hundred and they thought, oh, we'll, we'll just double it. Like yeah. th- there is little time to breathe, and I feel sorry for the drummer and the guitar because they must have massive RSI after these. Oh, shows. it's no wonder it's a side project band. Why? Who's gonna do this live every night, man? Like RSI when you're you know thirty years old, these guys at risk will be like chalk now. I'd imagine you just go up and you use it to write on the billboards or something. It's just ridiculous. It probably takes for like six years to recover or to physiotherapy to actually play and record for the next album. They guys would miss jerking off, honestly, or they'd be so good at it right now nah. that it'd be like Rip proficient, the off, mate. Like, ah, yeah, shit, like, oh, there it goes. Oh, sorry, mom. Oh, that's all right, don't worry about it, you know. Um, but as far as the riffs go, they are incredibly technical. They are incredibly diverse in the sense of that they are different kinds of thrash riffs. But unfortunately for me, they are just 
not really going anywhere. They just kind of pace through every time. Every riff just goes on to the next riff, and it doesn't really set up to a big, powerful moment in any song, which I think really good songs when Nick Barker was in these bands, like Demi and that, these riffs might might amalgamate to another riff, to another riff, to that money riff, you know what I mean? Create the tension, but these are just riffs thrown together. And he's so good at doing it that you you have respect for his writing process. But I found it very hard to engage in like how much I could really get behind a riff and chant and bang my head with it. Is that a little bit like you felt? It's a bit of a shame because, again, you're right, because everything is played at like a thousand beats per minute, whatever they want to call you, they might have really great riffs in it because you can hear the uh, changes in the songs with the riffs. I mean, the, the songs are long, two and a half, three and a half minutes average. So you, if, you, if you're quick enough, you can hear the changes in, in the songs and, and the riffs. But because everything's so fast, you don't have time to let any of the riffs breathe and they don't have enough chance to be developed or be progressed. Because if these songs were slowed down like they do on track seven and five, they actually have some really good like riffs we actually can enjoy them. Seven for sure. Seven, yeah. great song, yeah. And even track nine, track nine probably has the, the heaviest, the greatest riff in the middle section there. But the rest of the album, it literally goes so fast, it just really does sound like it bleeds into each other. Yeah, it's a very... I think for anyone who's a thrash metal fan out there and a grindcore fan, they can definitely respect it and really get behind it. In fact, they probably will love it straight off the bat and they'll be like, Super Mario Brother Matt, you're a riff guy. You should love it. And I'm like, I should. But... You know, and that's the thing. This band, it really feels like a side project band. They don't really take the songs, the riffs don't make a song up. They just follow riffs after riff after riff after riff. And I think that's the thing that separates, I guess, a actual band. I think if it was more invested into what everyone was, they would actually have these songs more fleshed out into actual songs. Right now, it just feels like, let's just pick, I've written all these riffs for an album. Yeah. Let's put them together and just go with it. And, you know, the riffs are good enough on their own to stand up. So, you know, for you out there who loves riffs, Go for it, you know. Uh, unfortunately, I need to combine those two elements with great song production together with great riffs, and that for me is the best band in the world. Yeah, that's so. a, I, look. I reckon that if they just slowed some of their songs down, some of the sections down. You could actually hear riffs and they let them breathe, put pauses and breaks and whatever. See, so they would actually be good riffs. Yeah, what to do it? Like when they're chronic manifesto, it's not the whole. They're a grindcore band and they go crazier than these guys, but they do it well to balance it with stuff that is the opposite. You know, and it gives these times for these really fast riffs to be memorable and to be incredibly fun. Again, look, it's, it is what it is. It's probably a stylistic choice. These guys, this is the style and this is what they play to the style. But so just with, calm down. So with that, we'll go to the vocalist. Uh, again, this guy does what the guitars do. He does one thing pretty damn well, throws everything at you. Uh, that's really all I can really say about it. Oh, I think he's been a little bit harsh. I mean, he does have a lot of tones to his singing. So yeah. he, he does this like... Very fast top scatting type yeah. singing. Is it blah 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 blah? Ah, you kind of mix like if you mix surge from like system of down the guy from Mudvayne. Uh, it's kind of like his style, but then he also does a bit of guttural stuff at time, and he also has a bit of like different inflections and they layer his vocals. But it just sounds like he's really enjoying himself. Like how he sings and how he kind of on his album, it just sounds like he's having really good fun with these riffs. I should imagine. You know what? I'll give you that. Definitely, he does have a lot more fun than of every other member of the band. I think this guy's having the best time at all uh yeah i just and no, no fault of his own i guess you know the biggest problem i'll have i'll mention later so we can move on to um the i guess the diversity I, but, first but that also makes a point so we're going back to vocals is that you know, technically grindcore bands you predict you expect to hear some sort of like pig squealing or some sort of that but there's none of that in this album that's why i was really 
taken back when yeah. it's like, do you sound like a thrash singer to he me, man? Like a thrash, the wrists are pretty yeah. thrashy, you know? Um, definitely a Tom Are you button. sure? But, yeah. you know, give credit. We haven't really gotten too familiar with the older stuff, so maybe yeah. this album is a diversion away and want to expand their sound. So we move on to diversity. Wow. Um, I think you'd be more diverse if you literally went to outside and looked at your grass and be like, yeah, that's pretty green, and that shade's pretty green, and that shade's yeah. pretty green. You get to your backyard and look at that grass. Yeah, and, that's, yeah. that's about the same greenness. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, you're going to hear the first track, and I'm going to be honest, if that didn't now do it for you, there's no salvation here. You might as well just press skip to the next tr- CD from your next uh, favorite band. Track, track five is pretty much like saying track five and track seven where they – Trap Five is like half pace, which I think Trap Five is kind of like if if you get one of their songs and you slow it down, that's what Track Five is. Because Track Five goes for five minutes, which is double the length of the other songs, yeah. and it's kind of like half the, the speed time. of those songs. Oh my god, it's brilliant! Yeah, and that's it. That's that's in a nutshell. If they were to do that a couple more times with a couple more of these songs, who knows yeah. what we would have had, right? So who the, knows? Yeah. So diversity is tracks uh, one to fourteen minus five and Track Five. <laughs> that's your two choices on this album. And this is the this is the thing with the album for me, and I might as well just say it now, is I found it hard to pay attention when I was listening to this album because there wasn't anything to break up the the insanity of it all. And I guess that's a fine for a death metal band as well because they did the same, but I was probably say the same with that, you know? Um, where bands like I Find Get It Right, again, talking about Flesh God Apocalypse, for example, is they add a little bit more depth to just a blast beat or just tremolo picking, you know? Um, even Cryptopsy, for crying out loud, the most spastic of death metal bands that I've heard in quite quite a while still do a lot to make a song flesh out and, you know, give it more depth. Uh, but yeah, there isn't any for me. This is like a thrash album, but it's thrash not like Testament. When we reviewed Testament last year, we had so much positive to say about it. How'd they go about in, infusing classical ideas or infusing death metal or even power metal infusion of riffs? Yeah. These guys don't. These guys are like, nah, it's, just, it's, it's a thrash riff. Yeah. Ah, it's a thrash riff. Pretty much just blast beats and let's see how we go. But again, if they just slowed down their riffs to let them have their moment or let them breathe, you could probably have diversity in this. But unfortunately, yeah. they want to play things as fast as they can and... That's pretty much how it is. And this is where it all comes down to the group. Playing things as fast as you can. We're going to talk about Nick Barker now. I really... Actually, I'm, I'm going to say how much I respect Nick Barker. I think Nick Barker right now is single me one of the most technically proficient drummers on the face of not only metal, but maybe even the world. This guy... I use a metronome to keep in time, but my guitar pro uses Nick Barker to keep in time. This guy is not metronomically tight. This guy is tighter than a nun on Sunday. It is ridiculous how many analogies I can think of right now. Bolts in a car, you know, anything, you know, due on Christmas. You imagine it. No one's that tight. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay, great, man. However, he's definitely, for me, right in this CD, not the most experimental of drummers. He tastes things very methodical, Safe, uh, maybe. I guess you can call it that as best you can in a death metal record. But it's like blast beats there. Single note, rah, rah. The jump feels come in. It's like you died in like an arcade game or something. Yeah. Um, and that's what I kind of feel. I was like, you know, even those blast beats. When I hear guys like, for example, the guy that was in So Waste and Megadeth right now. Um, the drummer. Uh, Dirk Vibulin, right? He does a blast beat, and he's doing these really cool things, you know, like he'll, he'll embellish melodies with the with the cymbal or whatever. Uh, he'll break up things into passages and stuff, like by timing and stuff. You know, there are plenty of guys who probably can't play a blast beat as well as Nick Barker, but at least they do enough to separate themselves from being a metronome. And this guy is just the best-sounding metronome in the whole entire world. And, 
it's almost weird to to give someone crap about being too good of a musician. But uh, I don't think that's the problem. I just think that when he goes into different sections, it's literally cut, copy, paste. He's playing the same things, the same hits, the same feels, the same beats. And um, the tightest you'll ever hear it, though. That's I'm so divided of giving this guy any kind of grief because he's one of the best drummers of of all time. But, yeah, but that's purely as groove. It Again, it's hard. It's too fast to groove. It just unless you want to headbang to it, you you black yourself out. You just die from headbanging injuries. Your brain will get concussed. And you've been a coma for twenty years. There are parts that agree off this album. Don't get me wrong. Track five, I guess, like you said, but track seven for me was the first time that Mister Marotti came up and stood up to the crowd and was like, "Oh, what's going on here?" You know, put his head right above everyone else. You know, among, amongst the forest. You know, it's quite I don't trim landscape your, very often. Amongst your front grass and your back grass, you yeah, I don't know, landscape very often, yeah. so it's harder to say. Um, but yeah, that's all I have to say about th- that kind of thing. Unfortunately, there are some flitting moments, but on the general, just yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, let's put a bow around it and then talk about cities that I'd probably listen to over this one. Oh wow, no production. <laughs> oh, it's about production. Uh, overall, it sounds great. You know, it's very clear, very concise, but uh, a bit. Di- it's just a bit dry. You know, it's uh, you, you hear everything kind of put together, but it just sounds like it was recorded over a long weekend on Pro Tools where things were pretty much cut and poppy paste, which is fine. That's how metal is these days. But it lacks a bit of life and a little bit of love. Um, and unfortunately for me, it's um, just falls short of being a really strong album that I could really recommend. It's just it's just an okay album. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everything, like, right, everything's heard clearly and crisply. Um, everything's timing's fantastic. they got heavy bass solos in there, which is interesting. They, the guy slaps the shit out of that bass as well. But I really feel like you said the singer is the only one really having a lot of fun with it. And I really yeah. do believe that. I don't think the guitarist is having fun playing these riffs. I think he was doing it out of either the sake of the fans or just because he was kind of bored one afternoon and had some ideas. And Nick Barker is just going through the motions of being Nick Barker, doing what he does best, and that's just laying down a, some sweet-ass blast beats and some tom feels. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's not too many bells and whistles to this. They add one or two sound effects, layer the vocals, yeah, pretty much if a pro's production. Yep. Yeah, it is what it is. So if you're a hardcore punk fan, uh, grindcore, I guess, and thrash metal fan, you'll dig it uh, to a degree, I think. But uh, anyone else, nah, I wouldn't worry about it. I think, go on by Testament. Like, literally, yeah. there's so many bands out there that are doing it. We're going to review Creator, and I yeah. said, no, nah, let's review a, a, another kind of thrash metal album, because I heard some of Creator, I was like, nah. I can't do it yet. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> Everyone's like, but it's the album of the year. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> I need to listen to the whole type thing first. I've been struggling for one track, so I yeah. don't know. But, you know, uh, credit to where it's due, maybe it is compared, compared to this anyway. I just didn't really like it enough to put it over. And uh, Not a terrible album, but uh, for a niche market of a niche market. It's a fatiguing album. It's only a 40-minute album, but I couldn't sit and listen to it in one sitting. It just was... Too it was tired. Just, it was too tired. You just listened to too much. You listened to like three songs in one because that's how quick they play it. So... I had to take a break to like hear it. That's how that's how strong. I was funny. I album. took a break listening to this album. I listened to Anel Nakrath, and wow. to give you an idea of what they are, they're a black and death metal band that plays <laughs> nothing short of what these guys play, but they have an industrial element. There's another layer to all that, and I picked this thing up for a dollar in a JB Hi-Fi discount bin. Criminal JB Hi-Fi. No wonder I don't shop with you guys anymore because I don't get the the people you're placating to. That middle section is getting smaller every day. Yeah. So, you know, screw them. But um, I bought this album off iTunes for 20 bucks. That wasn't even, like, oh, no, so $19, I got $18.99. I didn't even get a, a CD case. I can buy this in the shop. I, you know, I couldn't believe it. Oh, this is the most I've ever paid for a CD and been the most disappointed by. So, you know, that might have helped the review. But again, you know, just semantics and someone to bitch about it. Yeah. So, look, again, like my saying, yeah, this is, again, 
diehard thrash bands and name palm death bands fans will probably like this album yeah but uh, if you want to add advice you want a great thrash album to listen to and you haven't bought Testament yet go ahead and do yourself a favour go like that and with that I guess that's the end of our show and you know what they say Matt here I go again on my own walking down the road I've ever known like a drifter I was born to walk alone and I made up my mind ah, wasting no more time hey, you had your chance to sing <laughs> Anyway, that's enough from us. Yeah, that's been White Snake, and more importantly, I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We've been the Super Metal Brothers for another week. Peace out, Yomis, and we'll catch you next time.